Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. All-terrain vehicles are now street legal in Sitka. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it approved a new section of city code allowing ATV use on public roads with speed limits up to 45 miles per hour. Statewide, ATVs became street legal on January 1st, but some communities initially opted out of the new regulations. At the time, Sitka's Police and Fire Commission unanimously called for the city to opt out, along with the police and fire chiefs, citing safety concerns. That was enough for some assembly members to press pause with the caveat they would consider Sitka-specific ATV code in the future. The ATV rules the Assembly approved last night are more strict than the state laws that went into effect at the beginning of this year. Drivers and their vehicles must meet more safety requirements, like helmets for everyone, and a mandatory police inspection of the vehicle. And they must have both city and state permits first before taking a four-wheeler to the streets. The new rules got a unanimous thumbs up from the Police and Fire Commission. The code change passed on second reading on a 5-to-1 vote, with Assemblymember Kevin Knox opposed. We'll have more coverage of last night's Assembly meeting, including the new ATV rules, on Raven News tonight at 518. Mount High School on Tuesday wrapped up a week of celebration in honor of the institution's founding, 75 years ago on February 22, 1947. Founders Week events were more private than past years due to the COVID pandemic, but no less engaging for the student body. Jessica Twidell is the residential vice principal at Mount Edgecombe High School. Last Friday, she ran down the list of 75th anniversary Founders Week events. On Monday, we had a snowflake form line class that was offered to students. On Tuesday, we did a gathering um, with the entire school down in the gym. We had a keynote speaker, Susan Huntington. Um, as well as a Native Youth Olympics demonstration. On Wednesday, we did an on-campus Mount Edgecombe High School only um, in recognition of COVID um, Elizabeth Paradovich Day Parade, followed by a banquet. And then last night, Thursday, we did our gathering of cultures over at the Performing Arts Center. Um, Tonight, we've got smoke signals going on over at Coliseum. Saturday, we've got a Founders Dance, which will be held outside for our students. And on Sunday, we've got a traditional foods potluck. The school was founded in the former home of the Sitka Naval Air Station. Monetchkin was originally operated by the Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs. It closed for a few years in the 1980s before being reopened by the State Department of Education and Early Development. KCAW visited Mount Edgecombe High School for its 70th anniversary founder celebration in 2017. You can find a link to that recording on our website, kcaw.org. A Sitka man will serve six years in prison for his involvement in a 2018 drug hit. 39-year-old Porter Wayne Treadway was sentenced in Sitka Superior Court on February 17th on a conviction of burglary in the first degree. Five related counts of robbery and assault with intent to cause serious injury were dismissed. Treadway was one of seven accomplices in an incident in March 2018, which sent a Sitka woman to the hospital with gunshot wounds in both legs for failing to pay a debt for illegal drugs. The shooter in the incident was Christina Quintana, who was convicted in both state and federal courts and will serve over 20 years without parole. 
Treadway was also convicted in federal court for his role in the incident on charges of drug conspiracy. As with Quintana, Treadway will serve his state and federal sentences concurrently. In honor of Black History Month, KCAW's Tosh Kimmel is exploring what it means to be black in a small Alaska town. In part two of our series, Black in Sitka, Kimmel meets with city worker and local musician Christian Jensen. My name is Christian. Uh, I'm 28. I work for the city of Sitka at Harrigan. Um, I've lived in Sitka most of my life. I grew up here, uh, went to grade school here, and then um, moved away for about nine years and have been back just a little over a year. Just the the people and the arts community here is fabulous. Like the arts community basically helped raise me in this town and basically started me off on a on a awesome path. And so like I wanted to move back to be able to like contribute. And then also my family is um, still here and so that's a major reason I moved back as well. Obviously you grew up here, but how do you think being black in Alaska or being black in Sitka it might be different than other places in the U.S. Here, when you grow up in Sitka, like we called it the bubble growing up, because even though there's not like a ton of, you'd say like black people here, there is a lot of different ethnicity and there's a lot of native culture, um, a lot of Filipino culture. And so like comparing that to like where I used to live, where I would stand out, you know, far more than here, I think that's a huge, uh, like a huge factor. But I think my experience would probably be a little bit different because I was adopted and so like I didn't grow up in a black household so I didn't have the the whole cultural aspect so a lot of times for me I felt like really out of place because a lot of people have their own culture like if you're indigenous uh, or if you're a Tlingit person you have your whole family group here you have your culture here and so for me I always felt like a little bit displaced not knowing who I was you know what I should feel like how I should react to certain things not having a kind of like a baseline if that makes sense. There are issues in this town, but at the same time, like, there's a lot of good people, and most of the time, at the end of the day, everybody's going to help everybody. You know, that's how a a small community works. I was raised by a single white parent, Mm -hmm. and when I went to college, I think I wanted to explore my blackness more and try to understand that part of me more. Did you ever, like, come to that? Yes. It's, It's an ongoing process for me, as I think it is for a lot of people who don't grow up in their cultural like uh, native background or whatever and so when i when i first moved away it took a little bit a while for me to like kind of figure out like who i was but like my first full year of school i went to seminary and so like i didn't have a lot of interaction with people of my ethnicity and so that was a little bit difficult but then i ended up switching to art school and that's when i had kind of like a big shift for me is just learning about cultural aspects, especially like roots music and gospel music. And the deeper you go, the more you can connect with your past self, if that makes sense, or, or, or your ancestors or people who came before you, you know? We are out here and um, we have love for our community and uh, we want to see Sitka grow in many ways, including, you know, diversity wise. And, you know, this is a small community and, you know, the more we can realize that we can work together to get stuff done, the better it's going to be. You know, we're all just living on a rock, you know. (laughs) We're all out here in the storm. That was Sitkin Christian Jensen speaking with KCAW's Tosh Kimmel for our series Black in Sitka. In part three of the series, we'll meet chef and Jamaican national Sean Hutchinson. In mid-January, heavy snow and rain caused some Juno roofs to collapse. 
One of the hardest hit structures was a shared warehouse where Barnacle Foods stored 10,000 jars of kelp pickles. But as KTOO's Bridget Dowd reports, just over a month later, company owners say they were able to salvage more than they originally thought. Stepping inside the main Barnacle Foods warehouse in Lemon Creek, I feel like I'm walking into a kitchen pantry. The smell of the herbs used to make the company's sauces and spices hit me all at once. A plastic curtain divides the commercial kitchen from shelves where pallets of merchandise are stored. On the very top shelf, there are cardboard boxes with the word collapse in thick black marker. And everything that was not savable obviously didn't look like that, <laughs> but we were able to dispose of it. Barnacle Foods co-founder Leah Heifetz walks me out back. This is where our warehouse used to stand. <laughs> the company rents space in an adjacent building where they usually store merchandise, extra production materials like caps and glass, as well as shipping supplies. But in mid-January, an employee was between the two buildings trying to open their outdoor freezers, which had iced over. Heifetz says that's when disaster struck. He started to hear something happening in this building and like felt something happening. Um, it sounded like a big truck was like coming around the corner or something. So he was like kind of looking over here like, like what's the grumbling? At the time, Heifetz was upstairs across the way. And I looked out this window, which is right where my office is, and just saw the whole thing level basically in like seconds. No employees were inside the building that collapsed and no one was injured, which was lucky because another employee had been in the building just a few minutes before it fell. Our team took off a few days after that. Um, a lot of people were pretty shaken up and um, we also just want to, to give the building some space um, and our building some space. You know, there was still a lot of rain coming down and still a lot of snow. The collapse also put a hold on outgoing orders. We have a, a fairly vibrant online business and are shipping out pallets of orders every few days. And we thought we lost a lot of product. At first, they thought everything they'd stored in the building was lost, including a summer's worth of kelp pickles, which are only produced seasonally. But when the salvage crew started picking through the rubble, there was good news. We were really pleasantly surprised that a lot of the, the product was completely untouched and most of the items we were able to dry out and we'll be able to use. What's left of the warehouse is now covered in plastic. Heifetz says they're just grateful to have understanding customers, a supportive community, and healthy employees. We feel like extremely lucky um, and this could have been a much much um, harder hit on our business and we're doing relatively just fine everyone is safe and the items that we had to get rid of are replaceable for now barnacle foods has moved its extra product into another storage space and the future of the old building is still uncertain in juno i'm bridget dowd and that's all for raven news for this hour you can